In today's episode, we are going to explore the hardest part about fundraising. It is by far the most daunting part of the task. It's the part that we like the least, and we're gonna get into it in just a bit. Here we go. Welcome to Funding the Performing Arts Podcast. Open and frank discussion about supporting and growing the performing arts, such as instrumental, vocal, drama, dance, marching, and pageantry arts. All right, hello and welcome. I am uh, very happy to be back here with uh, episode 305. Um, recording this on Monday, July 29th. It is hard to fathom that we are at the end of July, moving quickly into August, and um it's funny because different parts of the country are just so different with their timing of when they have band camp, when they have rehearsals, when they go back to school. There are parts of the country that are already back in school and they're, you know, I'm, I'm publishing content about band camp and helping to get your, your kids and your families ready for band camp. And they're like, Oh, we did that two weeks ago. Thanks for the help. <laughs> so, um, you know, but for uh, those of you that don't know, I'm located uh, up in the Northeast Mid-Atlantic. I'm in Delaware. So um, one of the nice parts about living in the Mid-Atlantic is that you do, uh, for all intents and purposes, you do get all four seasons, which is quite nice. Um, but it has been hot lately, although the past four or five days have been pretty temperate uh, and, and pretty kind. So uh, today's episode, we're going to explore the most what I call the hardest part of fundraising or the most difficult part of fundraising, tomato, tomato, I guess. But, um, and it really has to do with how we approach supporters, potential customers, potential benefactors uh, externally of your organization. And really, uh, it, it shouldn't really take a whole lot of um you know, mental computation to get here, but the, but the biggest barrier to our fundraising efforts is typically fear of rejection. And it's that thing where, okay, I have to go sell these pies or these widgets or whatever the thing is. Um, I now have to ask people to buy them. The next conclusion you arrive at is, oh boy, what if they say no? Or what if they don't want my thing? Um, that's going to feel crappy. And you're not wrong. It, it, it does. And it's, it's not easy to ask for business. It's not easy to ask for the sale. Um, you know, there's something in a former, uh, in, a, in a former life, <laughs> in a past career. Um, so I came up as a, uh, I graduated college with a music ed degree. Uh, I taught high school band for about six or seven years. Um, but I ended up taking about three years off of college and I worked in sales. And when I, it was time to pack my parachute and leave the teaching profession, it was just a, a very logical next step for me. So one of the things that, you know, I struggle with uh, and still struggle with is, you know, if I ask, if I reach out to somebody and I ask them to do something, there's a possibility they're going to say no. And, you know, for those of us that tend to take things very, very personally, that doesn't feel good. Because if they're not saying no to my pie or they're not saying no to my wrapping paper or my candy or my widget that I'm selling for the band or for the choir or for the jazz band trip or whatever it is, um, they're not saying no to the widget. They're saying no to me. They're saying, I don't like you. I don't want you. Uh, and that's a very uncomfortable um, 
it's a very uncomfortable barrier uh, for mo- most people. I'm not even going to say many. I would say most people. Um, so I think that understanding this fear of rejection and in sales, they call it call reluctance. So um, it's something that sales managers are really trained to to suss out pretty quickly when they have a new sales rep that refuses to pick up the phone or refuses to go out on appointments or um, really is, you know, obviously uncomfortable with that part of the job. And if you if you can't pick up the phone and ask for business and ask for the sale, um, you don't really last too long, uh, you know, especially when your compensation plan uh, revolves around some degree of commission or, you know, performance-based uh, compensation. But how does that relate to fundraising? Well, it directly relates to fundraising because whether you want to believe it or not, um, if the boosters are saying, hey, we have to go sell these widgets, everyone is now a sales rep, <laughs> whether you like it or not. And it's, you know, we generally tend to go to the most comfortable people, our friends, our neighbors, our immediate family, um, you know, people that are relatively close by and that are, you know, at least there's a trust level there where, you know, they, they probably won't say no. Um, but are we probably bringing that fundraiser to the broad masses uh, to really help, um, you know, bring about the, the, the highest volume of sales, the highest volume of participation? No, not at all. Um, so I think that, you know, understanding that if you don't ask for stuff, you're not going to get stuff. Uh, and that bit of, of reality is is really, that, that's really key. So I think uh, arts organizations, performing groups, band boosters, choir parents, you know, whatever your, your thing is, um, I think it's important to stay realistic and, and just always keep in mind to, you know, hey, people are, are you know, if you say we're going to go sell this stuff, you have to understand that your participation levels are probably going to be lower than you'd like them to be for one reason and, and primarily one reason only. And that's because people don't like to put that persona on where they have to go sell stuff and they have to go put themselves out there in front of people and possibly be told no. It's just not comfortable. So um, if you don't ask, you don't get. And I think a lot of booster organizations assume there's going to be huge buy-in. There's going to be a lot of follow-through. Everyone's nodding their head and saying, yes, yes, this is great. Let's let's do this fundraiser. And then when the rubber meets the road, nothing happens and nothing gets done. So why do I, why am I talking about this? Well, one of the benefits that fans raise brings to the party is that our model is such where you, we take the fear of no completely out of the equation for your ensemble, for your, for your students, for their parents. There's no, no, there's no articles or goods to sell. There's no money to actually physically transact. Everything is, takes place online. And all your kids need to do is just basically build a contact list in our platform uh, to help promote the campaign. That's it. And then we take care of the rest. So we basically are sending an email on the student's behalf that goes a little something like this. It'll say, hi, uh, if you know anything about me, you know how important the marching band is um, to my to my school education experience. We do a lot of cool things. Uh, this fall, we're gearing up for a huge performance tour, and we're going to be performing in Indianapolis in November for Bands of America Grand National Championships or whatever the thing is. Um, we're holding a special online event. I would love it if you could pop over and just take a look at what we're planning. I'm hoping that you can help us. 
signed, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's very simple. It's very straight to the point. The subject lines get the emails opened and the email text gets the link clicked on. And then the campaign page that our client creates just does the rest. So it's so, it's so simple. It's silly, stupid, simple. Um, so basically we really want kids focused on who to put on their contact lists. Um, and if they're really purposeful about thinking about people that belong on that contacts list, they're, they're really, they really don't have to directly ask for anything. And I think that that really does take, um, a huge barrier out of the way, um, which will just simply help more kids be more hands-on engaged and involved in the campaign. And, you know, the, the numbers and the data speaks for itself. You know, groups are raising way more money with fans raise campaigns than they are selling candy or selling pies or cookie dough or, or other things. That's not to say that those sales aren't needed and aren't necessary and aren't important and, and don't have a place in your fundraising calendar because they definitely do. Um, but I think that if you have an opportunity to do something online, do it smarter, to do it more efficiently and leverage technology. And then, by the way, the nice happy accident of it is that you don't really have to face the fear of rejection face to face, belly to belly. Um, like you do in some other other modes of fundraising. I think it's a good thing. All right, so with that, we're going to go ahead and wrap this episode up. I hope this was helpful. As always, if you want to learn a little bit more, visit fansraise.com. Check out our blog. We've got lots of cool stuff there. And we will see you next time.